This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, it's Monday the 20th of November. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I look great in a red fleece gilet. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we make rival newspapers compete in a series of weird jungle challenges for money. Hooray for the mail, plunging over and over into a cesspit of sewage just to make a point. Yay for the Guardian, keeping the communal fire burning so that everyone has a chance to eat. And three cheers for the star, working its way through a smorgasbord of animals, minerals and genitals, simply to give us a laugh. <laughs> We're out every day, Monday to Friday, with weekends off for DIY and raving. So why not subscribe so you never miss an episode? And we've hit one million listeners as of Friday's show. So thank you to you all. We loves you. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Biggles, Bungles, Billions, Rishi and Co. have wasted £100 billion in the past four years. Paper money is Abu Dhabi's Sheikh Mansour about to buy The Telegraph. And hokey cokey hippos. Pablo Escobar's pet hippopotami are on the march in Colombia. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've never slept well in a hammock. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and with me on the show today is New Statesman columnist and transport and travel observer non pare. <laughs> it's John Elledge. Hello, John. Hello. And may I just say I'm delighted to see you back because the testosterone in this cube on Friday became overwhelming. I thought it was quite cute. <laughs> And making his Paper Cuts debut is comedian and co-host of the brilliant Northern News podcast, Ian Smith. Hello, Ian. Hello. So what do we have on the front pages today? John, what do you have? The Guardian has done a sort of big, uh, quite a sort of pretty little cover there. With, very um, yellow. It's very yellow with a bit of black, which kind of feels like you know, this, this is what the sky is going to look like. Mm. Thanks to, this is the headline, the 1% polluter elite. Mm. Uh, this is a special report about the fact that the world's richest 1% are responsible for more carbon emissions than the poorest 66%. Boo for them. Boo, boo, for, boo for the 1%. Yeah. There's also still 27% of people unaccounted for in that stat. <laughs> yeah. What are they up to? I don't know, burning fires. Yeah. The Eye has a very exciting story in the run-up to this week's autumn statement. Tax cuts for businesses are my priority, says Hunt. Mm. We'll be discussing this. We will. So like, don't get your hopes up, lads. <laughs> Uh, the Times. Sunak faces cabinet row on new plan with Rwanda. Uh, which is about the fact there are a number of a number of ministers, James Cleverly, the Home Secretary, Victoria Prentice, the Attorney General, and Alex Chalk, the Justice Secretary, are said to be among them, who have reservations about the hardline approach. But don't get excited about an outburst of morality. There's a quote from an unnamed minister. There's a real danger in sounding tough but failing to deliver. Mm. So it might not be about a sudden interest in human rights. Uh, and lastly, uh, the Daily Telegraph, Israel on the brink of hostage agreement. Uh, which is which is positive, I think. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Ian, what do you have? Um, more positivity from the sun. <laughs> Nuke sub mins from disaster. 
Um, oh, blimey. So I think that means that a um, nuclear submarine was minutes from disaster, which is um, lovely, lovely to hear. The Mirror, Tory Hunt exclusive. A, a terrible word, and again, it just sounds like we're hunting them down. There's a, to- <laughs> there's a Tory Hunt exclusive. Um, they're in a forest. Um, you all get a gun each. Um, I would watch that show. Yeah, oh, yeah. The title is That's Rich. Chancellor who urged us to show restraint on pay rises sees rent at Flatione's rocket by 18%. Mm. The Daily Star, um, their headline is White Christmas. Britain set for a festive snow bomb. So you can't even have enthusiasm with snow there. It's, it's a bomb. And the Daily Mail are saying, um, are we finally on the brink of a real tax cut? Now, though there isn't one overriding story on the front pages, there is a lot of chat about the government and money in the lead-up to Wednesday when Chancellor Jeremy Hunt will announce his autumn statement. Over the weekend, there was government money chat too, but of a different type. On Sunday, the Sunday Mirror led with staggering £100 billion of Tory waste with the strapline taxpayer cash squandered. John, what is this story? So the first thing to say is that often in these stories about public finances, you get numbers that sound big, but in the context aren't. Like, you know, 50 million quid would be a lot to any of us in this room. It does fuck all in terms of public finances. Mm. So just to be absolutely clear, 100 billion is a lot of money. This is fucking huge. (laughs) It's like nearly as much as the entire education budget. Uh, Apparently it's enough to give uh, 1,500 quid to everyone in the country. That would be nice. It would be nice. Uh, it would also, if, if they wanted to settle the strike with the junior doctors, um, you could do it a hundred times. With this money? Yeah. So, like, I mean, they probably won't strike again okay. after that or indeed work again. Um, but anyway, a hundred billion quid, a lot of money. Uh, according to this Best for Britain report, this is the total amount that Rishi Sunak's government has wasted. No, hang on, it's not Rishi Sunak's government, is it? Well, it kind of is. I can say it is Rishi Sunak government because, really, he was the Chancellor and then he was a Prime Minister. That's, that's, so that's, that's I'm fair. saying Rishi Sunak's government. That's <laughs> fair. I was going to correct myself. I was going to do that again, but we can... <laughs> I'm going Rishi go Sunak's government. <laughs> so some of, the, some of the things this money has gone on, 140 million of it has gone on, on failing to fly anyone to Rwanda. 140 million? 140 million. Hmm. 17 million on painting Rishi Sunak's planes. That's fair enough, though. I isn't mean, it? yeah, I mean, they need, it. They need to be yeah, topped yeah. up, don't they? To look nice when they're flying about. In this context, 17 million quid is pocket change, right? That's nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, this is a big one. Three billion quid on hiring temps to do civil service jobs. Three billion? Three billion. Because if it turns out if you, if you can't head count, you still need people to do the work. And often temps are more expensive than permanent staff, aren't they? Yeah. Um, £15 billion on unused or unusable PPE during the pandemic. I find that so enraging. Do you remember that kind of big... There was, a, the, the, there was pictures of all that PPE that they just dumped somewhere and they couldn't get rid of it. It was just like a big stack on, you know, just in the countryside somewhere. I mean, I do think this one's slightly more defensible, even though, like, that's obviously a huge amount of money on... Complete shit, as it turned billion. out. It is a lot of money. But, like, you know, everyone was in a panic. We didn't know what we were doing. We knew people needed that. If they hadn't spent that, we'd be having a different conversation about government failure. So I think compared to the painting of the plane, that is justifiable. Yeah. Well, I would say no. Because <laughs> none of it fit and none of it worked. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there were downsides. Um, yeah, my I pers- think it, if they had an excess of PPE that was usable... 
and they're like, oh, fuck me, we over-ordered here. Yeah. But I think that'd be all right. But if it's like, yeah, this is this is not good stuff. Yeah, it never um, worked in the first place. Yeah, yeah. But um, who knows, maybe we'll have another pandemic that will have a different sort of vibe to it where this <laughs> PPE will be useful. Yeah, maybe. Do you remember, apropos of, of, of nothing, do you remember that bit in the pandemic where uh, some, of the, some of the actual hospitals were using equipment donated by a medical fetish website? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not remember So was that? it all really rubbery? I think it probably was. Why I mean, clean? Like, <laughs> I, d- I don't know the details. I've never looked into it. But I think it's yeah. it's just nice that the kink community were helping out. Probably. And also it'd be tighter. So it'd probably work better. Yeah. My my favourite effect of the pandemic has been the immediate downfall of um, Captain Tom's legacy. Yeah. I found that very funny how much we were all... Like, I think British people are very keen to immediately go... This is what I got a fucking veteran walking around his garden. And then you're like, yeah, his daughter's taking quite a lot of that money and she's made herself a little spa. Yeah, she's um, our fave. We yeah, love her. Yeah, we, she's, she's, she's very much a friend of the show, I would say, isn't she? <laughs> One yeah. day she's got to come mm. in. <laughs> anyway, my, my personal favourite examples uh, of, of the waste are actually the relatively small numbers. Mm. Uh, it's just, it's just, the, it's just the, the pong coming off them is what makes it interesting. Uh, £35.2 million went on contracts to Centreprise International, the board of which includes the then health minister, Gillian Keegan's husband, Michael. That's £35.2 million. And this is this is the smallest figure. £10,000 of furlough cash went to a company called Koru Kids, uh, in which one of the major shareholders is Akshata Murphy, who happens to be married to Rishi Sunak. It's unbelievable. I mean, I've, I have to say, you know, like, I, I like to not feel angry over the weekend. <laughs> but that one, that, all those headlines did really get my go. It's just makes me fume, it does. But it's all going to be OK, because oh. according to um, a lot of the papers uh, in his autumn statement on Wednesday, Jeremy Hunt is planning to uh, cut benefits. Oh, my God. This is just awful, isn't it? OK, right. Well, let's turn to the, Should we turn to the papers of today? Because there are basically on the front pages quite a lot of speculation about what's going to happen on Wednesday. So is he going to cut benefits? So these are the different uh, headlines that we've got. The Mail has, are we finally on the brink of a real tax cut? Spoiler, no. OK. <laughs> Come on, John, you know these all. <laughs> Express has, Chancellor, you must honour pension pledge. This is like the triple lock, which I never really understand. But um, it's uh, it's banging on about the triple lock because all the readers are pensioners. He he, he probably will honour that pledge because he's not suicidal and all the all the Tory voters are like seventy five years old at this point. Okay, so that's fine. So the express tick. <laughs> um, Telegraph has wealthy pensioners may not need winter fuel cash, suggests Tory MP. And uh, I mean, this is quite a sweet thing. I just think it's just the guy John Glenn who who spoke at a conservative event and said, "Look, my mum doesn't need the extra money for fuel. Wouldn't it be better spent on tackling child poverty?" Which seems like quite reasonable. But it's not the kind of reasonable comment that that advances one's prospects within the Conservative Party, is it? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so he shouldn't have said it. It's really, really bad. The thing to remember about all this, though, is it's kind of like it's all slightly made up. Like we've had a lot of this chat about um, headroom. Which, which is like the amount of space Jeremy Hunt is going to have to kind of commit to more spending or tax cuts. And this is bollocks in a number of ways. Firstly, it's, the, it's about how much headroom he has, how much extra money he has while still meeting his self-imposed fiscal rules. Okay. So if he'd set different rules, he would have different numbers. Yeah. 
And secondly, like this is all based on on predictions from government bodies, which are generally in the event they are out by a factor of about 10 billion quid on average. And this is why, like, you kind of get... 10 billion big or not? That's quite big. Okay. That's reasonably big. That's enough for quite a large pile of PPE that doesn't fit. (laughs) Um, But it's like... Because like this, 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 this is not not a science. There's so like these predictions go all over the place, which is why like the headlines are quite schizophrenic. So a few weeks ago, like the economy was predicted to be so bad that there was no room whatsoever, uh, and then a different prediction comes out, and suddenly apparently there's loads of room to maybe abolish inheritance tax completely or whatever it may be. Um, the other so do thing- you think that Jeremy Hunt is kind of sitting there going, like you know he's got his homework to do and it's like got to come out in two days' time, and he doesn't really know because he doesn't know what the money is. I mean, he will have he will have made his decisions by now. Uh, like, there's a lot of kind of trailing stuff at this point. I think the plan will be pretty much set. Okay. Um, the other thing to remember is, like, all this talk of, like, no, nobody is trying to use this extra cash to, I don't know, address the homelessness crisis. Yeah, or mend the rack. Or, or, or literally literally anything that's gone wrong in this country. Nobody is talking about using the money for that. It is all tax cuts. So everything's going to be fine. I mean, you know, do you when you think about these things for Jeremy Hunt, Ian, do you have any money ideas? Because I just think of it and it makes my, my ears kind of close up. I don't mm. really understand. Um, I feel like we're not doing enough. Um, you know those people who use magnets to um, get stuff out of the Thames? <laughs> I feel like we should invest more in that because we could get some. Like we could get some good bullion out of that. Couldn't yeah, we? there'll be antiques that you can sell on. Um, if we get enough antiques from the Thames, we could um, take some stuff out of the British Museum, sell it back to where we got it from. Yeah, there's quite um, a lot of ways to go about this. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, also, you'd solve a couple of murders. So I think you'd get reward money as well. A decent podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, always the makes podcast money. economy. Would, um, <laughs> we, need, we need more podcasts. If you would like to support Miranda to find things in the Thames, <laughs> yeah, you can sign up on Patreon. <laughs> this could be great. <laughs> yeah. I do think, I mean, this only, I guess, it vaguely links to money. But um, I would like to see it that the Prime Minister has to send their kids to the school with the lowest Ofsted rating and they have to live in the town with the lowest GDP and only at one or two star hygiene rated restaurants. I think that should be their life for the time they're Prime Minister and I think the country would be so much better because it'd be so desperate to... Um, Level up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a great reality show as well, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> More money. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, there was an intriguing story in the New York Times over the weekend all about Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. <laughs> it's just such a pleasing phrase. Isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, exactly. I just want to say it again. Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. The Colombian drug kingpin brought four hippos to his homestead in the 1980s, but the hippos did what hippos will do, and now there are a few more to deal with. 
Ian, this is quite an unusual story, isn't it? How many hippos are we talking about now? Um, at the time of recording, <laughs> we're talking about 170 hippos, but the chance of a couple of them being pregnant, um, just don't want anyone to get annoyed if it's up to like 172. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, one immediately quite disappointed with the phrase cocaine hippos. None of them are on cocaine. Well, we don't know. I mean, the, you know, yeah. the thing is, it might have passed down. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? they have a bit in there, but also I think system. you'd have to give a cocaine. Well, you'd have to give a hippo so much cocaine, <laughs> I imagine, for it to make um make any tangible difference to its behaviour. And they are, they already seem quite um, irate um, <laughs> and dangerous. Yeah, there was also a stat um, on a CBS article that said there's now 170, and there are worries that the number could grow to 1,000 by 2035, mm. which is one of those like exponential stats which doesn't make any sense because obviously if, if it was getting to a thousand someone would be like we need to stop these hippos it sort of implies that humans would just be like well the hippos will end when the hippo but we would just watch them go yeah. so um yeah i think they should go further with that and say there will be a million hippos by the <laughs> 2050s and colombia will cease to exist and it will just be governed by by hippos what um, i can't get my head around is there were four hippos originally right yeah so all these hippos are quite closely related. Mm. At what point does that become a problem? Are we talking like hippo Habsburgs here? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they all, yeah, they're definitely related. In this article, it does say that um, Escobar's place, homestead, mansion, was called Hacienda Napoles, which is nice. And he had a menagerie of wild animals, which included zebras, giraffes, kangaroos and rhinos. But most of them all died or transferred to the zoo to it as, you know, zoos, plural. Um, but for some reason, not the hippos. This is what I don't really understand, but the hippos just stayed. They just, you know, hopped into the ornamental lake and decided to breed. My favourite bit of this story is there's a lot of chat about how, like, you have to tranquilise them and then sterilise them, but quite quickly because they're not tranquilised for long. Because, again, as with the cocaine, you need quite a lot of tranquiliser to take down a hippo. But there's a great quote about how you need you need to tranquilise them so they fall in the right position. Because once they're on the ground, you're not fucking moving them. Yeah, exactly. So if the right bit isn't exposed, you can't sterilise mm. them. Because <laughs> you can't yeah. push them over. It just sounds like the best computer game ever, where you have to like shoot the hippo <laughs> in the perfect way that it falls over so you can get to its genitalia. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. This is, I think this feels like it's just natural selection. I think we're the problem here. Um, one, we've, I say we, to include Pablo Escobar <laughs> into, into us. Um, um, I think he must have guessed it on the podcast before. Um, but yeah, we brought the hippos over. The hippos are thriving. We're struggling to deal with that. Yeah, it just feels like our fault. It feels like um, humans are a blight on this planet. And if we weren't here there would be a thriving hippo community and maybe um, we should just accept that. Yeah, that's it does seem like, because it does seem very difficult <laughs> to yeah. control the hippos because you don't want to, you know, people don't really want them killed. They just want them sterilised and that's very difficult. So, yeah, you're right. The hippos mm. are taking over. Can we just talk yeah. about what great PR hippos have? How do you mean? Well, they're these kind of like massive, aggressive, terrible, like they kill people. <laughs> But yet, ever, unlike, you know, rhinos, everyone thinks they're sort of cute and cuddly because they look silly when they're swimming. And they've got that big smile. I, th yeah. I think Disney's Fantasia has a lot to answer for. <laughs> it's very 
and hungry hippos. Yeah, yes. the game as well. That's true. They should We'd replace the little cute. balls I eat with um, plastic children. That's <laughs> 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 like, these hippos are brutal. <laughs> Just so they can learn. The kids can learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, at Paper Cuts, headlines are our heroes. We love a dashing joke, some witty wordplay, and any sentence containing the words top boff, sick stunt, or cute tot. So, John, what have you got today? In the sun, there's actually a lovely story which pairs nicely with uh, Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos about a 350-kilogram elephant pup. Cub? What's the word? Small thing. Small elephant. (laughs) Relatively small elephant. Anyway, it's called Bupe. Uh, He's 10 months old. He was abandoned by his mother for five days in the wilderness. He's been rescued by a private plane... Unpainted, so far as I know. Uh, anyway, the headline is Dumbo Jet. Oh, that's nice. We like that. That's a cheering story. That is. That's lovely. Uh, also in The Sun, page 27, apparently consumers are turning away from vegan foods while meat eating is on the up. And so feel the sun rubbing its thighs at this one. This is the same writer, by the way, Luke Chafer. Good for Luke Chafer. But yes, uh, it's it's about basically a fall in revenues at Beyond Meat, the plant-based grub firm. Yeah. The headline is, we're vegan. 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 Okay, I see. So we have lots of cute animal stories, but we're still eating them happily. <laughs> and uh, the, the page three of the Daily Star, uh, Cliff Richard has apparently, this is very up to the minute, mm. he's attacked punk, included, he says... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Punk are oh, going to die, It's going to go right out of fashion yeah, now, isn't yeah. it? Anyway, he, say, he says the sex pistols were, and I quote here, rubbish. What? Oh, he's not pulling any punches there. He's not. Uh, the headline is, he's a livid doll. Oh, very good. Wow. That does rely on all the, re- all the readers knowing that he had a song called Living Doll. But, you I know. just I think that's kind of off brand for the star. I kind of don't feel like the star is generally aimed at the boomer audience. Mm, I don't know about that. Lots of animals. Also, I for something recently, I had to watch um, the Sex Pistols sing "God Save the Queen." Mm. I think it's terrible. What it is? Um, it's <laughs> just the room. people who can't do anything going like. Yeah, you're I'm shit. not hearing this. Um, this is like. I'm absolute. with Cliff Richard here. <laughs> Yeah, Um, and then it'll go over to page 21, Daily Star. So this is an article about how potato vodka is making a comeback in Britain. We all remember in the olden days when it was incredibly popular. Um, Potato vodka is coming back. Um, 14,000 bottles of the spud-based drink are winging their way to the store shelves, and they've gone with the headline, uh, is this a pun? Smashed! Exclamation mark. Vodka made from spuds. <laughs> it's not really very yeah, good. Not is really it? a pun. It um, tells us. It tells us what's going on, but it's yeah. not really a pun. More of a, a summary mm. of the headline, and then um, this another potato-based story where a chef admits assaulting a workmate after a potato croquette row grew heated. Um, <laughs> it would do. Happened it? to a lot of them, yeah. And they've gone with spud slingers, and that is in. That's in the Metro, and they could have had Chef nearly knocked out his colleague. Um, <laughs> I was trying to write, he threw one punch, two punch, three punch, four, five punch, six punch, seven punch. Is that a pun on the one potato, two potato, three potato, four song? Kind of. It's, it's niche, what I've done there. Um, <laughs> Spudsling is better, you yeah, have to say. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. 
Hello, I'm Ros Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now? The politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, there's a short but intriguing story in The Telegraph today about The Telegraph. The headline That's is... That's very BBC, isn't it? I know, but... weird. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. Eating itself, probably telling itself off. The headline is, Fund backed by Abu Dhabi in line to own The Telegraph within weeks. OK, I am going to do a summary of this because I've done my swatting homework. So... What this is about is who owns the Telegraph. It has been owned by the Barclay Brothers since 2004, but it's up for sale along with The Spectator because the Barclays owe, wait for a minute, £1.16 billion to Lloyds. I think we can say that is quite a lot. That is quite a lot, In the billions. But they've owed this money since 2008, which makes me resentful given like you know if you go over over on your credit card people come right on you i literally while we've been recording this podcast got a text to tell me i've gone overdrawn exactly (laughs) exactly. but anyway so what happened is finally lloyd's put their business in receivership uh, about five months ago and the barclays have made various offers to try and stop an auction of the papers because basically they're going to sell the telegraph they're going to sell the spectator get the money and try and uh, get some of this debt paid off lloyd's have said no this is definitely going to go uh, to an auction unless you pay the whole debt off, right? So there are other bidders for it. Uh, Lord Rothermere, who publishes the mails, the, the, the mail, they're kind of bidding for it. And also Sir Paul Marshall, billionaire, hedge fund tycoon oh, owner. fucking guy again. I know, owner mm. of GB News. He's literally everywhere. He's like Zelig. GB News is great, isn't it? <laughs> I love and it. And he funds it. Yeah. <laughs> so the... The Barclays are planning to pay their debt off, apparently. So apparently they couldn't do it. They're just about to go to court to, and now they're going to pay it off. And how they're going to pay this off is they've come up with some weird investment vehicle. It's always called vehicle, isn't it? Which is run by Jeff Zucker, who was CNN's chief. And basically he's created some weird investment fund that will lend £600 million, right? And then the balance of the debt will be funded by Sheikh Mansour from Bin Zayed Al Nayan, who also owns Man City Football Club, right? So that they can pay the whole debt off. Okay, let me stop you right there. Mm. So they can pay the whole debt off Mm. by other people Mm. lending them money instead. Mm. So they would still have debt Mm -hmm. just to a different set of people. And then as I understand it, this different set of people, their debt turns into shares. So not only are the Barclay Brothers still in debt, they are still losing their equity holding, or a lot of their equity holding at least, in the Telegraph. I don't understand rich people. I know, it's so weird. So basically what it means is that if if this goes, if this happens, they don't have any debt, but the people who own the Telegraph is Sheikh Mansour and Jeff Zucker, but ultimately Sheikh Mansour. Who is, like, I mean, basically Abu Dhabi would own the Telegraph. That's quite mm, mad, is it not? Especially given that, like, the Telegraph is, is, we're going to have a Tory leadership contest. Mm. In, in the next 18 months or so, I imagine, um, the Telegraph is likely to be a player in that contest. That feels weird. 
So anyway, some Tories have got upset. Senior, some senior Tories have um, written to uh, Oliver Dowden, who's the Deputy Prime Minister, to Kemi Badenoch, who's a Business Secretary and a Culture Secretary, Lucy Fraser, who whoever she is, never heard of her, uh, to intervene. It's just like these guys were all fine with like foreigners owning large chunks of our media mm. when they were like, you know, Australians uh, who worked in the private sector. But the minute it's, you know, it's an Arab state, they suddenly have a problem with it. Yeah, it does seem very odd to me, though, I have to say. It seems quite a weird move. It just seems like in the end he'll just own everything, won't he? It would simplify matters. <laughs> I like, um, I'm quite a big fan of sports washing. I know it's not supposed to be popular, but I like um, watch um, a bit of boxing. I've never really been that into it. But I like it because the press conferences are people swearing and saying they're going to smash someone's head in, but then having a contractual obligation to thank the, and then it'll be like the honourable um, <laughs> Royal Highness shape. So you got like Tyson Fury going, you're a fucking dosher and I'll bang you out. You're fucking nothing. And just want to say thank you to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the honourable, you know, yeah, really honouring that um, the royal family there. It's like saying, um, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And thank you to King Charles um, for letting us be in this beautiful palace where I'm going to smack this man in the head. Um, yeah, it's very odd. It's nearly time for Fix the Headline. On Friday, we gave you a story about cuddling cows and we are going to get to the winners in just a moment. But this story about the cows has made page three of the Times today and we feel it needs a bit more attention. If you're a journalist and you want your story to be discussed on paper cuts, then make it about cow. <laughs> <laughs> cows or hippos. <laughs> any, any large animal. <laughs> OK, so the story. Um, Ian, do you want to tell us this, something about this story? Uh, Fiona Wilson had a farm in Beverly in East Yorkshire, which is very close to where I'm from, mm. um, with 200 cows. But she had to sell her herd and she's kept five. And you're thinking, Fiona, come on, that's not enough. That's not enough cows, for fuck's sake. It's enough what to repopulate Colombia. <laughs> yeah, put them in a um, South American country and let them have sex. <laughs> or you're going to have to use them as kind of therapy animals. They're your two options. Um, <laughs> so these... she added another one. So she had she had five oh, retired cows, and now she's got six. Oh, yeah. to couple mm. them up. Yeah, for maybe additional yeah. intercourse. Mm. Um, no, these are retired dairy cows. I think they're past. Um, they're past their sexual peak. Um, yeah. As one of them is called Grandma Snowflake. <laughs> um, the other name is Crocus. Oh. Cloud. Yeah. Soft face, which may sound like a child has named that one. Um, Cuddlio puff, which I think is less bad than soft face. And then just Kerry. Um, I think Kerry's the new one. Yeah. The fact that one of them's just been named after, after, like a human name makes it sound like Fiona Wilson doesn't like someone called Kerry. Um, but um, yeah, so you can cuddle the cows. There's a quote that said, the cuddling experience can even be pleasurable for the cattle themselves, which makes it sound like it's largely not good for these cows and it's probably quite stressful to have. If you're a cow and you just want to chill out, the last thing you want is for 20 people with different levels of anxiety or personal <laughs> issues to come up, basically. And if you're cuddling a cow, everything else has not worked for you. Like the, the counselling or the other stuff. 
So these are the most anxious. <laughs> so the cows are having people come up going, Look, I need this. I need this to work. Hugging the cow, like, make me feel better. Or, oh, I can't do it anymore. And the cow's like, fucking, I don't know what I can do here. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. It, it did say, I mean, it's interesting because basically this this cuddle, cuddle a cow business is doing really well. It's 40 quid a session and the, the sessions sell out so quickly it's like trying to get Glastonbury tickets, apparently. But what what Fiona is saying, she seems to kind of contradict herself. So she says, you know, cows are not judgmental. People get a sense of well-being from just being around them. The cows seem to like it. If cows don't like something, they will let you know, which seems to me that they are judgmental then. <laughs> like That's just saying they are judgmental. Also, like, I think they're conflating like cows not being judgmental with cows fundamentally not giving a shit. Yes, mm. there is that also. Also, famously, I don't think cows do let you know if they don't like something. I've never been let know anything by a cow. <laughs> like, um, I imagine they've got something to say about the, the beef industry. <laughs> they're not saying it, though, are they? You don't see them on the news being like, actually, I've got something to say about this. I'm not happy about... Um, <laughs> and nail gunned in the head. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think cows are actually pretty um, stum about their feelings. Yeah, they, the only thing that they do is run at you if they if you're not happy with you. Mm. They do do that. But anyway, yeah. there are other attractions that you can also do with the cows. Would you like to hear? You know, you can pay money to do these things. Oh, yeah. mm. Highland cow trekking. What does Highland cow trekking involve? Don't. No, I don't know if you sit on the cow. I'm not sure if you sit on the cow or you just watch the cow. This is going for a walk. (laughs) I don't know if it's like a cow in the Highlands or a Highland cow trekking. Do you see what I mean? Like, are you just watching the Highland cow go for a walk or are you going up Mm. a mountain? I just don't know. I don't know. And there's also wildlife safaris, which are always terrible. Um, Anyway, we did give it to uh, listeners for our Fix the Headline competition on Friday. The original headline from the star was lift your mood, which is okay, yes. not bad. But we knew that the listeners could do better. And of course, you did. On X, Phil Cody gave us two excellent efforts. Uh, please form an utterly queue. <laughs> and full capacity. Pretty nice. good. Those are good. Mm. John Penny suggested cues for moves to beat the blues. Oh, that's fantastic. That's lovely. And on threads, Andy Winter gave us... Bovine intervention. (laughs) (laughs) But this week's winner, also from Threads, is Jack Eddy 2000 with Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Milk Me. (laughs) Excellent work, Jack Eddy 2000. Just send us your address and T-shirt size and a delectable Paper Cuts T-shirt will be winging its way to you pronto and you'll look, of course, utterly amazing. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Ian. Thank you. And thanks to every one of you generous and beautiful members of our Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Your £5 a month means we can stick it to media moguls every single weekday because we have no need of their ill-gotten funds. Be gone, shake monster. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to join the Paper Cuts Supporters Squad and maybe even get yourself an exclusive mug or a T-shirt, just follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. And our excellent supporters get a shout-out on every show. So who do we have today? Can I just say it's a trio of great names today. Uh, hello, and you are awesome, Michael Silvernail. And hi, you are awe-inspiring, Laura K. Dare. Hi, and you are awful, but we like you, Sharon Prothero. 
That's an ancient joke reference, by the way. <laughs> I'm not actually saying she's awful. <laughs> Sharon's uh, listening going, what the fuck? Everyone else got nice ones. <laughs> I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when a Scottish schoolboy sent out to dig potatoes as a punishment ended up unearthing a mysterious treasure from ancient Egypt. Just like the song says, Pharaoh, where's your treasures? <laughs> Sorry. See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts is written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Elledge and Ian Smith. Audio production is from Robin Leeburn and music from Simon Williams. The show is produced by Liam Tate with assistant production from me, Adam Wright. Designed by James Parrott and socials by Jess Harpin. The group editor is Andrew Harrison. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the executive producer is Martin Boytosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.